Welcome, entrepreneur, to the Ignite Your Wellness podcast. My name is Dr. Allison McLean. I'm a physical therapist, yoga teacher, coach, and owner of Ignite Your Wellness. Here on the podcast, we discuss all things body, brain, and bank account so you can cultivate your version of success while caring for your health. It's all about reducing stress, living a fulfilled life, growing your business, and enjoying life in the process. All right, let's get to it. Hi there, welcome back. Today, I'm honored to bring on special guest, physical therapist, Lynn Verant. And this episode will apply to you if you're an athlete, especially if you're a runner, a yogi. There's so much practical information that you can pick up and apply to the sport you love so you can practice, you can be part of it for your life. And you will also love this episode if you're a wellness practitioner, if you're a yoga teacher, especially if you're a physical therapist and wanting to focus on a cash-based practice. You'll hear the stories of what Lynn has worked with, some of the challenges she's overcome, And specifically, stay tuned to the end. If you're having trouble moving from selling one-off sessions, so one session at a time, to packages. So you can hear Lynn's journey on starting to sell packages and how that's benefited not only her and her business, but her patients as well. Okay, hope you enjoy. Hello, welcome back. Today, I'm honored to have onto the podcast, Lynn. And Lynn, can you please tell us a little bit about what you do and who you help? Great. Well, thank you so much for having me, Allison. I really appreciate it. So I am Dr. Lynn Varant. I am a physical therapist. I am a running movement specialist. I do some running coaching, but what I really enjoy is helping everybody that wants to run to discover the best way that they can run for themselves. So I love working with runners. Awesome, love that. What's the common complaint you see about people coming to your clinic, to your office? Some sort of pain that they've been dealing with for some time. So a lot of times there's obviously a premise that everybody can run. I totally believe in that, but not everybody runs well. Mm. And people think that just because they can run at that, When they have pain, it's something that's unusual and they wait too long for to try to resolve it on their own. And that usually tends to make it worse. So the hardest thing to do is sometimes to tell runners who love to run that they need to not run. Mm. And so the biggest challenge is figuring out a way to keep them active and running if they can, but within the confines that allows them to heal. Mm-hmm. and get better. So yeah. dealing with the pain that's limiting that something that they love to do and then what happens when they're not able to do it the way that they're used to doing it and then yeah. getting them to change it a little bit that's hard. So yeah. So hard. And what you said is so true and there are a lot of yogis listening as well and mm-hmm. the same is true. Sometimes you need to take a break from the chaturangas to allow your shoulder to heal. And yeah. it's thinking big picture because I know often you say to your runners, let's get a plan so you can run for your life. So it's right. thinking big picture. Yes, definitely. 
And what does running well look like? Ah, good question. So I think it's almost more like, what does it feel like? In the sense that I think the best way to put it that I can explain is from my own experience in that a few years ago, I was struggling with a running injury myself. Mm-hmm. And at first it hurt. So then you couldn't run. But then when the pain was gone, I started to run again. And the amount of effort that it took to feel like I was running felt like 10 times the amount that I did before I was hurt. So it's almost like running is a really simple task. Of, and it's probably one of the smaller amount of movements that people will do in a sport. It's really like just bending your hips, knees, and ankles a little bit, just a lot over and over again. And you're moving in one direction, right? Mm-hmm. Generally speaking. So it's not a lot of movement. It's just a lot of repetition. So generally speaking, it feels pretty good to start with. And of course, as you fatigue, it starts to get more challenging. But when it's hard at the beginning and it doesn't ever seem to feel better, then you're probably not running well. The hard Mm -hmm. part is people don't address it until it becomes painful. Sure. So that's the challenge. So if a runner doesn't have pain right now, could they still benefit to see and work with you then? Oh, that's a great question. So I definitely, I would say yes. And here's Mm -hmm. why. So there's some schools of thought out there as far as changing your running form. And I used to subscribe to those too. It's like, just run what feels natural. But the problem is we assume that by running naturally, that all parts of our body moving really well, exactly. Uh And we know, I know from my experience as a physical therapist that a lot of injuries or pain that people experience come from poor movement habits. And so when somebody has a pain, that habit has already become such to the point such that it hurts that part of the body. Mm -hmm. And so the benefit of coming in early on is to try to address those movement patterns before they come painful. So you might have to adjust the way that you move a little bit, but you probably won't have to stop running. Whereas if you wait until it's painful, you're probably going to have to start running one, two, you're going to have to start changing the way that you move, which is going to change the way that you run. And by that point, it's become so ingrained in your movement and in your habit that A, you just want to run. And two, the last thing you want to do is change something. And then finally, now you have to change something and the way that you do it. It's really a challenge. So the bottom line is people focus a lot on the shoes and on their program. And the number one piece of equipment that you have to run with is your body. Ah. So you should tweak that and make that the most efficient part of your running machine before you even think about like, what are the shoes? What are the gear? What about my watch? You always have your body. And if that gets hurt, you can't replace it. Whereas your shoes and your watch, any of that stuff can be replaced. But your body and the way that you move, it can't be replaced. And the other great thing too is it's something that you have control of, right? You Mm -hmm. can decide how you move. And so if you're with the right guidance, you and your body can learn to move in a way that will make your running A, a lot more efficient two, a lot more enjoyable, and three, something that you can do not just to prevent injury, but to run so that you can run for as long as you want to. 
So Yes, yeah. I love all that. So many great points in there that really can be applied to any athletic performance sport. Yes. Right. Exactly. What is that saying? You're only as old as your spine or young as your spine or something like right. that. It's so you're so only true. as good as your weakest movement. Right. Yeah. And so just anytime there's a deficiency in your body, something that you do repetitively and something like running is the challenge with running is that it's the simplicity of running. It's the same thing over and over. The challenge in running is it's the same thing over and over. So if you do something poorly at the beginning, you probably are going to make it worse by doing it over and over and over again. So if you can get it moving better to start with, then that weakest link is no longer gonna impact you later on down the road. Yes, so it's not just the problem of getting older, right? Right, yes, (laughs) yeah. It's doing the same thing over and over and doing it poorly, I think it's the hard part. Yes. And recognizing it, mm -hmm. knowing that you're not doing something well. So when someone comes to your clinic and they start working with you, what Mm -hmm. are some of the results that you see with patients and clients that have progressed through your programs? The number one thing people, they learn when they work with me is they learn what they look like. (laughs) So the first thing we'll do is we'll video them and they'll see how they move. And first of all, they don't look as bad as they feel. Like running can be really challenging. So people always feel like they you know, if they're really tired or they're struggling, they feel like they look miserable. But really what it is, is like, oh, it's not as bad as I thought. But what they see are the parts of their body that aren't moving well. They're like, oh my gosh, I didn't realize my knee did that. Oh my gosh, I didn't realize that's the way that I landed, right? And so Uh that awareness of how they're moving and how it could impact why they may have an injury or why they're currently having an injury. is the biggest thing that they'll experience. And often do you see that movement patterns can be different right versus left side and that can contribute to problems yes definitely so earlier you know we said the assumption when we say oh just run what feels natural is we feel like the whole body moves well but because running requires both the left and the right side of your body ideally for a machine that has two parts you want both of them to work the same symmetrically and as efficiently as possible and when they don't one side will either break down because it's doing too much or it's not as strong. And so it's not doing its job. So yeah, you were looking for symmetry for sure. Yeah. So there's a lot that you can do to address someone, no matter where they are in their running career, We, I guess you could say, or right. how they're feeling physically. Definitely, definitely. And I think beginner runners are probably my favorite group of people to run with because they're so open to learning and they Mm. don't have those set patterns ingrained. The biggest challenge with them is teaching them that the discomfort that they're having is completely normal, right? And so they're learning something new, they're doing something new. So the discomfort that they're having with regards to not necessarily pain, but it's just not, doesn't feel right, is -hmm. the body learning something new and getting used to doing something that they're not used to doing and doesn't feel great. But then with an experienced runner, those movement patterns are ingrained in them. And so they've always run that way. They've always worn those shoes. They've always done that exercise. And let it, teaching them that the problem with that mindset is those always done is what's gotten them to where they are right now. Right. Yeah. yeah. Right? right. And so yeah. it's like, oh, I never thought of it that way. It's like, yeah, if all those things worked, you wouldn't be hurting right now. 
So we have to recognize like, what are those things that aren't working? Be willing to change them. So for the short-term game, it, it's like you're being a beginner again, right? And mm -hmm. nobody likes the discomfort of being a beginner, but especially the expert. <laughs> so it's very humbling. But if you teach them and they can take on the mindset that like, hey, this new beginning is a way to get better, then you start to see the switch come on and the light bulb come on and they start to recognize like, hey, if I can get through the discomfort of doing something new, then I can actually do something better. There's a challenge from both the beginner and the experienced runner for sure. Yes, I love that. And you brought up a great point. I get asked this question all the time from yogis as we go through this a similar conversation is mm -hmm. what is the difference between or how do you distinguish or discern the difference between discomfort of establishing a new movement pattern or the discomfort of improving flexibility and strength or increasing running mileage and endurance versus discomfort of pain that's progressing towards an injury? That's a great, great question. I'm sure, like you said, Allison, it's so interesting because a lot of this stuff is translates well to all activities, right? Mm -hmm. But especially sports and activities that we love to do because we don't want to stop doing them. So actually, that's one of the topics we teach a lot of our runners, especially our earlier 5K you know, marathon type programs, is if you're doing something you haven't done before, it's going to feel uncomfortable. And a lot of that is you kind of just ask yourself, does this really hurt? Does it feel like I can't move well, or is it just doesn't feel like my body's doing something I'm used to? Then you can kind of keep going. That kind of subsides for a little bit. That's a good indication that it's mostly just the discomfort of doing something new or for a different duration or a different speed. But when something is painful, you start changing the way that you move. So like I use as a great example, think about like if you've ever sprained an ankle, how you kind of limp off that foot. So you start changing the way that you move because you're trying not to use that side that hurts. But the, probably the simplest way is if you're having pain, usually you'll have swelling. So mm -hmm. there'll be a lot of tenderness to a certain area, like it hurts to touch or it hurts to just barely to move it, or it gets progressively worse. Let me think. So pain, redness. swelling, redness, right? The tenderness to touch and the movement makes it worse. Whereas something that's sore or uncomfortable, you're moving and the more you move, especially if you add it more progressively or gradually, it starts to feel better. That's a good sign that it's more of a discomfort. It usually doesn't happen at the joints. Like the discomfort, you might feel like more on the muscles. Yeah. Like between the joints, you're like, okay, that muscle feels like it's a little bit uncomfortable or a little bit sore or tired. Then that's, but that's normal. Like I always tell people, that's kind of where you want to feel it. Mm -hmm. um, muscle belly. Yes, right. Kind of in the middle of the muscles. Yeah, those are the big things. And like yeah. later on the next day, again, it feels better to move. Those are all good signs that you experience more discomfort than limiting pain. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. And it varies too. But I think another key takeaway is just being able to slow down and really tune in and listen to yes. all that. Really? Very good. So usually with runners, I always say, wait, before you start to feel that pain or discomfort, if you can walk a little bit and it starts to subside, that's usually a good sign that it's more of a discomfort thing. But if you walk and then you run again and it doesn't get better, that's usually not a good sign. It's not usually a good type of pain. 
I always tell people, look for more of a pattern of things happening. If it's just a one-time mm-hmm. thing, note it, but then see if it happens repetitively. Mm-hmm. If it happened once and then all of a sudden you don't feel it anymore, it probably was just that one time and then you don't have to pay attention to it. But if it happens, continues to happen, that's when it's a good time to reach out to a specialist to ask those questions. And and then the key thing is don't wait. Like normally a pain or that soreness will subside after a couple of days, right? Mm-hmm. But something that persists after three to five days and it doesn't get better, will just continue. Generally speaking, will continue to get worse. And then the longer you wait to address it, the longer it will take to get better. So there you go. You know, Bottom yeah. line right there. Mm-hmm. Yep, <laughs> definitely. Yep. Okay. Well, we're going to switch gears a little bit because we have a lot of entrepreneurs listening as well. And so let's talk about your experience as an entrepreneur, you know, owning your own clinic and being a mom. Let's start with some balance. So how do you bring that ideal lifestyle of being a business owner and learning how to spend time with your family? So I think the biggest thing that I've learned is that you try to have an idea in your mind of what you want. And then you talk with your family and your, if you have a team, or if it's just yourself, obviously just you and your family, but really sit down like what's important to you and what's important to them and try to decide what that looks like for everybody. Cause you might think, Oh, everybody wants to do this. And then you plan for it. And then you realize nobody wants that and that's okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so right. first of all, like sit down with everybody and figure out what is ideal and what's going to make everybody happy. And then even when you have that plan and you try to execute it, just recognizing that it's not always going to work out that way. And that's okay. It's totally Mm -hmm. normal. And sometimes it actually works out better than you thought. Like you set aside a plan and you realize that doesn't work. Hey, this is actually a much better outcome than we anticipated. And so being open to the fact that there's probably going to be changes to your ideal and just being able to flex to it as well. Yeah, which is business as well, business, family, life, that sort of thing. Yeah, a hundred percent. And you know that brings me to the point of okay, so you can create this ideal plan, but really, a lot of the challenges come with the implementation. So, can you speak to like working with the challenges and how do you personally problem solve and Mm -hmm. overcome them? So, the number one thing that I still struggle with, to be honest with you, is having the plan written down and then putting it on paper mm-hmm. and then just trusting it for a while. So the biggest thing I've been trying to do recently is take my life, whether it's a month at a time, six weeks at a time, or even if it feels overwhelming a week at a time, or even a day at a time. So if I want to do something that's totally new, just like the runners, it's going to take me a little while for that to become a habit. Yeah. So if I feel like I want to do spend every day with my daughter, at least 15 minutes, like sitting down and talking to her. And I have not been doing that. Being okay with the fact that I'm not going to do it every day and not feeling guilty about it, right? And just recognizing that, hey, this is my goal, checking with her to make sure that's okay. And then if we don't do it, like, hey, just checking in and recognizing, even if it's just a check-in five minutes, how are you doing? How was your day while I'm at work? Even if it's just a phone call, being okay with just that small change and then recognizing that that habit's going to become more ingrained as I practice Mm -hmm. it. So yeah, scheduling it. Yeah. Scheduling it. And then knowing that if it's something new, I'm going to have to adjust to it and grow to it. 
And then when I stumble, like giving myself some grace when it doesn't work out exactly the way that I had planned out for it. And then Mm -hmm. thinking of tomorrow is just another day to make it better. Yes, 100%. I love that. And as you highlighted there, we are working together. You are part of the six-month one-to-one program. And why did you decide to finally work with me? I met Allison through another coaching program that I had had. And we always just had a really easy connection, just really easy to listen to and to talk to. And I had been in the program for a while and I just honestly felt stuck. Like I'd Mm. been on it for a while and just hadn't been growing. And that's not because of the program. What I've learned is what do I need personally to succeed? And I had been reaching out to all these other groups to find just another group training. And then when I got Allison's information to that, it was one-on-one coaching. I just felt like when we had our initial consultation, you hit all the right points with what I needed. You just felt like somebody I could talk to Allison that where I felt I could be honest about where I was struggling. Whereas in a group, it was too easy for me personally to hide my struggles because they only spend a few minutes with you. Right. And so you're not really getting that one-on-one. And even when I was working one-on-one with somebody, it would be like once a month. Mm -hmm. And I recognizing for me, knowing that I had to meet with you and be accountable to you, i.e. me, right? Through you week to week has been better for keeping me on track. So I think the key for me is recognizing, hey, if you're in a program and it's not working, it's not you per se. It's just that program doesn't work for you, right? Mm -hmm. And so really getting in tune with what is it that you need to be successful and being willing to invest in that is, was really the key. And so, hey, honestly, Allison, I knew you. So there was already that trust factor that right. you knew where I was coming from and you knew the struggles that I had and what wouldn't work in the previous program and why it would work differently with you. Yeah. And so maybe we could speak to the people that maybe don't know me quite as well. Now okay. that you've yep. experienced working with me, what would you tell them or anyone else that might be on the fence or just kind of going back and forth? What do you think would be the benefits for them to take action, even if it's not with me, but to just get into a coaching program to be supported, how that could benefit them? I think the biggest thing that I was, as I was talking through that earlier was you have to know what it is that you at least have an idea of what it is that you need to be successful in working with a coach. And that takes some introspection as far as where are you struggling and what you do really well. And part of that could be also when you do talk to a coach, potentially, hey, do they offer a consultation where you feel comfortable being yourself? And I know that takes time. So sometimes but mm-hmm. if you, yeah, if the initial conversation should, I think the best thing I was, I'm trying to get to is think of like a date. So yeah. when you meet somebody for the first time, you feel like they're trying to get you to fly to Paris at the beginning, right? And that's like, whoa, that's way too much. Or do they go, do they try to get to know you in ways that you feel comfortable? And that's just different for everybody, right? But if you're thinking, oh, you, if you're in, talking to them and you start to sit in your chair and relax, that's usually a good sign that you feel comfortable. If you feel like you're clenching and you're 
you know that in your brain, you're like, mm, I don't want to talk about that. It might just be that person's way of connecting with you for that time being isn't right. So I think the biggest thing is be open to the fact that whoever you talk to, much like a lifetime partner initially, might not be the first person that you talk to. <laughs> and so yeah. feel comfortable asking and shopping around either through references. So what I see in a lot of programs is people go, who's the best coach for this? And who's the best coach for that? And really the interesting thing is the best coach for you will ask you questions that help you feel open to answering them where you're being honest with yourself. Yes, that's it. Right? Is that it? The container, yeah, the container and the person, it doesn't matter so much. But the point is, is the whole point of coaching in my mind is to help you get to know yourself better. So you have that increased trust of like following your gut, your intuition, the ability to make decisions, because ultimately that's going to give you the most empowerment outside of the sessions, right? Right. And you can go further, faster. I love that. Also, we've been working a little bit on your discovery sessions or consultations. Mm -hmm. How do you think that work has helped you so far? So the number one thing that I've learned in working with you, Allison, when I do my discovery visits is taking the, the me out of it in the sense mm-hmm. that it's not about me wondering if I'm the right fit for this person. Right. So like when I'm talking with somebody, it's just asking them questions. And it really is like you're saying for our, our relationship with you, Allison, or any coaches, you're there as a guide to help them figure out what it is that's wrong with why they can't do the activity that they want. And a lot of times they just don't know that it's something that they're doing and you're there to help guide them towards that. Because as I said earlier, like, so my runners who are in pain, but they insist on doing the same thing over and over, it's not going to fix their pain no matter what. But when I make them comfortable and open to the fact that, hey, this person gets why I'm struggling, gets why I need their support. It's almost seamless for them to say yes to what I'm offering is what I'm learning. I'm not out there wondering like, are they going to buy? Are they going to buy? Are they going to buy? No, it's, are the questions that I'm asking you striking a chord with what you need? And if so, then this is the program that will work for you to get you back to what you want to do. If it doesn't and you feel uncomfortable, being open to the fact that what you learned, some of the things that you've taught me, Allison, is maybe some of the ways that I'm asking questions, maybe some of the ways I'm pushing without realizing. So being more attuned to the way I'm trying to get them to understand what it is that they need. And that might not be me. Right. It's like, what do they need in that conversation, in that consultation? What is it that they need to get back to what they want to do? And being open and honest with myself and with them is program that I provide going to be what they need to get back to running. And sometimes what I'll tell them is, and I haven't had this before, but I'm recognize it with some clients is what I tell them is within three weeks from a healing standpoint, if you're not getting better, and we've done everything that we can, then it's probably time to move in a different direction. And I think I've learned that that tends to give them the trust that I'm not here just to get you to work with me for 12 weeks, no matter what. I'm here to help figure out that what you need to do to run again. And if in three weeks, we're not moving in that direction, you can trust me that I'm going to give you the right advice. So 
Yeah. And that's what I feel like you do with that. I've learned from you is that's my approach and being comfortable with that. Yeah. And I think exactly the other part, like the benefit of having a coach is to uncover the blocks, the limiting blocks, whether they be mindset, old beliefs and old patterns. Yeah. That are holding you back. Right. And so in consults that can for sure, a hundred percent show off with like, we are worried about appearing or acting a certain way, or maybe you might be worried about your business, like not you, but in the general sense, you know, making the bills and getting revenue and instead to help release some of that pressure, it can be a simple thing of shifting that focus from you to them. And then when we're focusing on the client, in reality, I find that that's the whole reason why a lot of us got into being a healthcare provider or the wellness industry in the first place is because we want to help people. So it is like, in a way for me, consults are a way I feel like I give back to the community, whether someone works with me or not, because it is focused on them. Right. It gives them an opportunity to spend the time. So you were making me think, Allison, like, what is Mm -hmm. the biggest benefit I've gotten from working with you? When I was in PT school, we every time after we had a big project or when you're working with an instructor, we always had to do these weekly reflections mm-hmm. on how we're doing. And I hated doing that, <laughs> mostly because it was just one new task that I had to do. But I always learned something new from what I did well and what I could learn from. And so one of the key things you had me to implement right when we started working together was do the quick reflection either like on a spreadsheet or even on a journal, like how did that discovery visit go? Mm -hmm. And again, that was hard for me to do to start with, but now it's becoming more of, okay, what went really well during that? What could I have done better? And how do I move forward? So now I'm looking at even when a discovery visit or a consult or anything doesn't go well, it's not the end of the world in the sense that it just, that was a learning opportunity for yeah. me to get better. So that's the biggest thing that I've taken. One of the other key things I've taken away from working with you and what the discovery visit means. It's not to make a sale. It's to help the other person learn what is it that they need and what can I do for that person, the next person to continue to be a better coach for the, what they, you know, to get them where they want to go. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And the other thing that I've noticed for you is you've been shifting from one-off sessions to more packages. And we keep yes. working on upping the number of packages. Yes. But, <laughs> right. but it's pa- working. Yes, yes, it is. We went from one to four to six. And so, yeah. Yes. Definitely. Yeah. And how does that, you know, selling more packages versus mm-hmm. one-off? Because I think this is a huge shift for a lot of people, a lot of entrepreneurs. Right. How does that benefit you and your business and the client? I think the biggest benefit for all of us is recognizing that when they're coming in to see me, they're coming in to buy an outcome. Mm-hmm. And when I try to sell it as like, oh, it's going to take four sessions, then the key is, is that realistic, right? Is it really just going to take four times for them to get better? And what I'm recognizing is what I'm providing is a program that includes four sessions, that includes weekly like consoles via phone or text, that includes an exercise program. So when they're purchasing a package, it's not just the sessions because essentially if that's all it is, they're just buying time. And they're not buying time, they're buying the way to get better to run again. And so 
all of that is included in a package. So even though we quantify it by the number of sessions, what I'm learning to talk about it is in terms of giving them a time frame based on how the body feels and the, the amount of changes that they need to take. And so that's something that I'm starting to work through a little bit better, but that comes from recognizing why it's important to sell a package rather than session by session. It's the outcome that they're purchasing and that comes from the package rather than from one hour at a time for the next six weeks, right? right. So that's exactly. the biggest thing that I'm learning. Yeah, because yeah, you're selling them their goal right. uh, versus right. 12 sessions. Yes, exactly. And yet we still quantify it that way. It's so interesting. But it learned, if it hadn't been in working with you, I still would be selling session by session instead of starting to switch my mindset to the identity of I'm selling you getting back to running. And this is what it will take, right? And so yes. quantifying that for them, not just as a session, but the consult that we'll spend throughout the week, like, hey, if you're struggling with an exercise and you know, you're going to go through this and getting them to see that you're there as a guide and the guide is not just the time you're going to spend together. But for me, like I'm not taking advantage of this as much with you, Allison, but I know that if I have a question during the week, I can email it to you, right? Mm -hmm. And you can either say, hey, this is a quick question that I have and you'll get back to me or this is a quick question. I don't need your answer right away, but let's consider it for our next opportunity when we talk, right? And yes, so- hundred percent. Yeah. So I'm using what I'm learning with you to apply to my clients. Awesome. So it's a yes. model for how I want to engage with my clients. Very good. Yeah, because there is no reason why you should have to recreate the wheel, right? Yes, Save yourself right. time. If it's working for me, it'll work for them, right? Yes, yeah, exactly. Sure. Awesome. I love this. And I'm sure you inspired so many people and for any of the runners listening, how can they find you? Because I know you're both in person, so you can yeah. tell them where you're located in Florida specifically. Okay. And then also your website, because I know you have an online program and we want to highlight that for the people okay. that can work with you virtually. Perfect. Yeah. So I am located in Pensacola, Florida, which is in the panhandle. So really close to Alabama. And like about three hours east or west of Tallahassee. So definitely much more like Florida, Alabama than actual Florida. And my website is getmovingpt.com. That's a good way to get to know who I am and what I'm all about and who I like to work with. And I'm also on social media. My Instagram post is Lynn underscore Varant, V-I-R-A-N-T. And my Facebook page is again, Lynn Varant. And that's probably the easiest way to get in touch with me. That's my personal site, but I get messages from people all the time from that. And then my business page is The Movement Clinic Pensacola. So that's another way to find me on Facebook as well. Awesome. Yeah. So go follow her because you can work with her whether you are in Pensacola or not. And yes. Lynn, I'll drop all those links in the show notes. But Perfect. any parting words of wisdom for everyone today? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, that was definitely one of the questions that you had prepared me for. And I was thinking from a runner standpoint, if you're a beginner, be okay with pushing yourself to be a little bit uncomfortable. And to be fair, that applies to even your more experienced athletes, whether you're doing something new for the first time or you're pushing yourself to run farther or faster, that discomfort is part of the growth and that's how we get stronger and better. But at the same time, on the flip side, you know, when we're talking about pain and how this different discomfort, listen to your body. I have a good friend who 
was struggling what we thought was back pain and it just never really subsided. And it turns out she's having some other more pancreatic issues. And so pain from a musculoskeletal standpoint should subside within, like I said, like a three week period. She'll start to start feeling better. But if it's not, you know your body more than I do, more than any other health practitioner. So be okay with when something is not feeling right over a short amount of time and it's persisting, like tell us and let us know. And the right folks where you will honor that and, and help you to solve that problem for sure. So, so that's the tough part is knowing when to push and knowing when pushing is not the right answer. And working with the right person to help you figure that out will be what will help you overcome those challenges as well. Yes, I love that. Well, thank you so much for your time today. Awesome. Well, thanks, Allison. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. You're very welcome. Wait, before you go, are you ready for more? Your next best step is to sign up for a free strategy call. Every day you wait is another day. You're just racing around from class to class, session to session. It's another day you miss out on precious moments with your family because A, you're not home, or B, you're home, but you're actually not present because you're worrying about how to fill your class, where your next client's coming from, all the things you have to do. It's also another day you might miss out on taking your favorite yoga class or meeting a friend for a hike because you went over in all your sessions and you spent hours agonizing over sequencing your next sessions and classes for the following day. Being a wellness practitioner can feel like a lot. Sign up for a free strategy call with me. It's one-to-one for 60 minutes. We'll develop a plan. You'll know exactly what to prioritize when you get off the call. You'll get so much clarity. And if you decide to work together more with me, we'll figure out how to fit it all in. You'll be able to care for your health, relax your family, grow your practitioner skills, learn from all my knowledge base. One step at a time, while developing trust in your intuition in a streamlined process. There's a solution, and I've got you. Use the link in the show notes to sign up for the free call, figure out your next steps, or just head to igniteyourwellness.com. That's ignite with a U-R, wellness.com. I'll see you on the map. Bye for now.